0: Hey everyone, this is the Everyday Leader podcast, where we hear from inspiring individuals building and leading teams across Africa. Today, I speak with Dinah Njoguna from Nairobi, Kenya. She is passionate about entrepreneurship and enabling individuals, especially in emerging markets, to access the right network, skill set, and capital to grow their company to the next level. Dina is currently working as an investment manager across Africa with Kiva who provides debt to high-growth social enterprises and microfinance institutions across Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the USA. Previously, she worked with Endeavor, a company that supports high-growth companies through technical support and venture capital investments. As a result, Dinah has deep exposure and experience on how companies can scale with the power of a reliable and well-developed network, smart capital, and a sound business model. Dinah holds a master's in finance investment and risk from the university of kent in the uk and a bachelor's of science in actuarial science from jomo Kenyatta university of agriculture and technology in kenya in this episode Dinah and i spoke about creating space for making mistakes firsthand the importance of establishing your credibility when working with others and how remote work has made her more mindful of time management and team collaboration i hope you can enjoy our conversation hi Dinah. welcome to the everyday leader podcast really excited to speak with you today
1: Thank you, Chris. I'm also excited to be here and to uh, have this conversation. Thank you for having me.
0: So you've worked in the kind of startup space for many years, and you currently serve as an investment manager for Africa at Kiva. Uh, But before we dive into that, I'd love to have a step back a little bit and and have you reflect on an early leadership experience and how that has shaped your career.
1: As you've said, I currently work at Kiva. Uh, but before that, I've worked at multiple organizations that were very um, well. They were they were new, in other words, startups in their in their uh, sectors, and therefore, by default, everybody had to be a leader, and you had to either manage your team or an item in the organization. And the first time I was at, a leader was at the first organization that I really worked for. Um, and uh, this involved hiring and, and firing people and training teams, uh, coming up with projects. So it was very end-on-end end and was the first time kind of having that, um, that res- much responsibility at a very young age. I was just 21 years when that really happened. Um, and I think that really shaped me because the first time I was a leader reporting directly to the CEO, there were very many... Uh, friction areas because it was always trying to really speak to what i knew other than having a team collaboration in how in terms of how i worked with the team and with the leader at that time and over time i found myself more aligned in what the um the senior management team and uh the team that i work with, do want and then bring that together and the outcome is often uh better than it will have been if we stuck to uh one way so yeah so that's a bit about my leadership journey um throughout my career
0: it's quite interesting how you mentioned kind of when you're in a startup or a small team you have to step up as a leader automatically just by by default and you kind of have to just embrace that and it sounds like you definitely did and, and there were probably some hiccups along the way. You, you alluded to in terms of aligning with uh, the leadership team. Do you have any examples you can remember on things where maybe you had a certain assumption and then you had to kind of uh, come to terms with the reality?
1: Yeah, sure. So my my boss at the beginning of my career was was super was super chill, like it was very calm. Um, and and well um i i would have an agenda um so it's something i guess i guess with with my personality whereby you're like okay we're moving from a to z and this is how we're going to move from a to z this is the structure that we'll have as we do that so um my boss would look at me and he's like you know what like you'll get to like see and it won't work and this is why it won't work and i'm like just because you didn't do it, I will do it <laughs> and I'd go ahead and do it. And then it doesn't work. Um, and, and it was it was a chance for me to fail. Like he allowed me to really grow in grow grow as a person and in terms of kind of trusting that 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 way of of really of really working. So um, yeah, so so I guess that's that's like one one, I guess, point I can, I can try to <laughs> give out on here without sharing too much information. Uh, but yeah, but just being allowed to fail fast and learn fast and go to the next level of leadership. I think that's one thing that I learned.
0: It's funny, because it's true that sometimes you just need to let people make the same mistake that you made, because maybe it's less, less risky. It's not not a huge mission critical uh, yes. thing if, if it fails again, because, you know, someone can share their story and say, look, it didn't work for me. And that yeah. person can be really dug in and say, well, I'm going to make it work yeah. maybe because I can do it in a different way or it's a different context. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. I think uh, a good manager is able to say, look, uh, maybe they can make it work. You know, even if they don't, it'll be g- a good lesson for them and, and give that space to to learn for their team. So it sounds yeah. like that was... Uh, learning. Have you been able to uh, apply that own that, that same principle uh, in your own work as you've uh, grown in your career and maybe you've had a chance to uh, be more senior to others and, and letting them make mistakes and, and, and fail and learn along the way?
1: Yeah, sure. So I, I pick a lot from like my different, my different bosses, like, and it's, I guess it's, it's been a privilege that I've always reported to like the most senior person in every company I've worked to, I've, I've worked at. Um, and when I work with my team, I'm usually very um, intentional in terms of teaching them both leadership skills and what are the clear next things that you need to do to go to the next stage. Um, And um, I try to create an environment for failure, an environment for learning, which is not often there for a lot of people. Um, And, you know, like I can jump on a Zoom call or if you're in the office, we sit down together and I'm like, okay, this is why this was, you know, was wrong and this is how you go around it. So I've been able to use a lot of my learnings from the beginning or a lot of the things that, you know, work for me at the beginning to be able to train my team. As personally, from a, from my perspective, has that helped me. Over time, I've been able to accept other people's opinions um, and, and kind of collaborate, like if it worked for someone else, going to the deeper question of why didn't it work? What were the gaps? What was the environment at that time? Can we try and do it in a different way this time? So there's more thought process into how you answer the question or, or rather how you, you provide guidance to the team on your projects or your hiring or your expansion that isn't just up in the air based on quote-unquote theoretical uh knowledge but more of like experience and actual um work that has happened in the organization
0: and you've done a lot of uh mentorship as well um how do you approach that and what motivates you to uh, go and mentor maybe uh, startup founders or others um, in the ecosystem.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so my 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 conversation is I've never started a company. Um, so when you speak to founders, I've never started a company, but I've worked with companies that have been successful in and seen the impact of what networks um, and the rights and the right network around you can do to your organization. So for me, when it comes to mentorship, it's more of hey, this is the right path. This is the person you need to be talking to. This is where capital is coming from. This is how you can hire talent. And a lot of this is based from my experience in a startup, in an investment firm, and also at an accelerator stroke investment firm. Um, secondly, when it comes to mentoring teams, uh, within organizations, I had to learn a lot on my own. It was all through YouTube, Googling, or asking questions. So it was a very steep um growth in my career. And therefore, if I can make it easier for someone else, why not? The market is very new, especially in my sector, which is venture capital and impact investing. So if we can be able to train as many people to go and eat, it makes Africa uh, an investable and viable market for returns. Right. Um, And and also like people who want to leave uh, corporate jobs which i understand why um they would go into that it's a more secure job uh with how fast startups grow and even the statistics how fast they fail um so so kind of speaking to them on how do you pick a, a right company to work at how do you pick the right founder what are the things you need to be looking at um so that you don't um, you know, you 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 create a strong talent base in the in the sector. So for me, mentorship is uh, if if I can give back to my continent and to my country as much as possible uh with my um exposure and experience, why not? Um, and that's the only way we can grow as a as a continent and as a country, really. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that's really powerful, and I, I appreciated the point that you made around, you know, when you have conversations, you need to uh, articulate it and convey uh, the experience set that you're drawing upon so that individual can uh, kind of uh, respect the the guidance that, that's coming from you. So, you know, being upfront to say, look, I haven't founded a company, but I've firsthand seen and worked at startups and I've been on the capital allocation side. So that's where my experience and my guidance will kind of be coming from. And that's super important because on the receiving end, as a mentee, uh, or in this case, a founder, they're going to make a a snap judgment uh, when they meet someone or when they're hearing particular guidance around, should I even trust this person? And they kind of either consciously or subconsciously make that assessment on whether they're actually going to uh, give this person's guidance any weight. Uh, so it sounds like you've found um, kind of a a point where you're, you're able to say this is where I'm coming from and and have some legitimacy with that. Um, yeah. w- I, you recently joined our peer coaching network uh, at Coffee Chat, and I'd love to hear from you on how those types of peer coaching conversations maybe are are the similar or and different from. The mentorship uh, engagements that you've done in the past.
1: So, so the peer coaching sessions are different. Often, um, in in a in a school setting, you have your peers and you exchange notes on your next career stuff. But when you're in um, in a professional setting. And like like for my current company I, uh, where I work right now, I've been remote throughout. So working from the house whereby you really don't get to engage with people as much. Uh, with peer coaching, you get to meet people who are in the same mental space as you are, have the same ambitions. You're probably not in the same industry, but they have an idea of how to move to the next stage. Um, and that's different from mentorship, because everybody is coming from. Hey, we are the same position. How are you moving to the next step? And I'll be like, How am I moving to the next step, etc., etc. So there's a way in which we both discuss that, which is very different from mentorship. Because from mentorship, the assumption is that your mentor probably has experience or exposure to your your uh, your need as a mentee. Um, yeah, and then just getting a friend out of your your current cohort or friends is interesting. So I find that super powerful, um, especially right now with, um, as, as in my personal <laughs> experience, being remote. Um, yeah, so I find that super helpful.
0: Amazing. And so I think it makes sense now to chat about your work with Kiva. So you mentioned you've been remote uh, since joining. Can you tell us more about what, the organization does and what your role has been so far?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I can walk you through that. So Kiva is uh, a debt investor and we we invest in social enterprises and microfinance institutions across Africa. And this is in your your four major cities in, in Africa and your other cities. So we're in 23 countries and currently I manage about 12 of that in different regions, so Southern Africa, West uh, West Africa, and East Africa, um, mostly Anglo-speaking countries. Um, The company has been in operation for over 16 years. Um, Yeah, and my day-to-day job is screening a deal, uh, presenting it to the team internally, and making an investment. And then that also comes with a lot of portfolio management on the side. So that's just following up with the companies, making sure payments are done, supporting them with projects, uh, etc. So it's very it's very exciting, um, and you get to see parts of Africa that um, I don't think I'd have ever seen if I was in any other organization. Uh, so yes, yeah, so it's a very exciting and interesting interesting job. Yeah,
0: I remember coming across Kiva earlier in my career in the the agricultural space uh, in Kenya. And um, I know it's a, a global organization. How, how has uh, Kiva kind of adjusted and adapted uh, over the years? What have been some major learnings that the leadership team, uh, perhaps in Africa, have learned that have helped shape uh, and grow uh, the model that it uses?
1: I think what has worked for Kiva has been the relationships that they have had with the social enterprises and the microfinance institutions that we've really invested in. And that is providing low-cost, fast-loss capital to be able to uh, springboard a sector. And that was the case with agriculture, and they went to general businesses, and now we have fintechs and um We have fintechs, healthcare, education, uh, financing refugees among others. The cost of our capital is very low compared to your traditional investee companies and also the markets that we go to. As I said, it's just not the four major major markets, but it's also markets whereby capital or uh, foreign exchange you know, they have foreign exchange challenges, um, amongst other things. So we are able to bypass that through internal processes um, within the organization. But I think the core thing, having just been in that company for a very short time, has been relationship management. Uh, Everybody that I've met uh, praises the organization for just how well they've maintained the relations with the clients and the people who, walk around um, any Kiva projects or um, yeah any Kiva projects. So yeah so that's what I'd give it as as a core thing for the organization yeah
0: great and so in your role as investment manager, um, what type of team engagement does that involve and uh, what are some kind of lessons you are starting to learn in this kind of stage of your career as a leader?
1: So I'm a professional people pleaser, <laughs> and I laugh <laughs> at that. Um, I I try to I try to be rational and kind and try to to listen to people and really understand different perspectives because my perspective is not the right thing. And this I think I learned from the beginning of of my career and just from my personal life. So the higher you go in your career, the more you have to really make decisions and at times those decisions are very hard but you have to stick to them so um so I think that's one thing that I'm really learning the war I I am in this position how to make a decision and really stick to it um and I try to also instill the same so so how how, how the company structure is? you have analysts associates and then the managers um and and then the investment directors so you try to instill to the same thing um and then the second thing is collaboration like how to collaborate with every everyone and this is all about managing down and up like how as a person who works with this investing companies and understands the gaps in the market how to, do you drive an agenda to your bosses how do you uh drive a concern or a win to your bosses in a way that still aligns with the overall organization strategy that's one thing that you often don't get in schools or um you really don't get it anywhere you get it over time um and then the last thing is grit like nothing works out as you want and as a leader you just need to have grit and you're moving forward without releasing really the future, <laughs> um, and in my cases, you can be doing a deal, and you're like, "Will this really work? Uh, maybe not, um, but you just have to have grit, and you have to really know how to manage the team's time um, overall, so that you just ensure that um, that at the end of the day, the success is actually really felt. Um, so yeah, so that I think I think um, I don't even fully answered your question, but yeah, but that, those are just some of the things that. Uh, soft skills that I've gotten from this.
0: yeah. Well, yeah, that really strikes me as as a learning and as a skill needed as you start to grow in the ranks of, of a company and as you get comfortable in your career on this idea of settling into an organization, seeing how it's done and then realizing and drawing upon your past experiences and worldview to say, well, actually, I think this one way of doing things or this one type of change needs to be made, setting an agenda and trying to drive that, not only within your team, but across uh, the part of an organization. Um, and it sounds like you're starting to do that in some ways. Is there an example of an agenda that you've tried to uh, initiate and drive uh, within Kiva?
1: So we screen a lot of deals at once. Um, and and at times you you need to, to go back on the deal before you really do it and um and with that you just learn what works and what doesn't work in terms of deal sourcing and deal making so i think i think that's that's a clear thing like like now um even if a deal is brought from anywhere you're like hey this is why this won't work this is why this will work like now creating a structure into how we really go into doing, into doing the deals other than just, you know, working on each and every one of them. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think that's one thing that I've been active on. Um, and my, my, my current uh, seniors, or rather my current seniors, very accommodative in terms of, of listening to that and allowing that autonomy um, in making those decisions.
0: And so, um, look, you mentioned that you know part of the team is uh, global. Um, how do you, and how does the organization uh, plan on adjusting to either the new normal of remote work, or is there some kind of hybrid work arrangement that's that's playing out so far?
1: Um, so I think I think there's going to be a hybrid thing. It's still up in the air for the organization. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I assume it will be a hybrid thing at the end of the day, yeah. Um,
0: and and how have you um, kind of uh, found your way in this remote uh, environment? What what about your working style uh, and perhaps leadership style has um, gone well remotely? And, and what have you kind of maybe struggled to adjust uh, to so far?
1: So when it comes to leadership, um, one thing that you miss that you had uh, with in-office in, in office type of engagements is you can, you can easily teach and easily drive an agenda, easily work on something with your team because you're in the same space and you can just, you know, go to someone's desk and be like, hey, can we do this, like, pretty fast? Um, and now when it's remote, you have to be like, hey, can I put some time on your calendar? Can I be able to work on this? But at the same time, Um, especially like in 2020 and 2021, there was a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, emotional um, ups and downs for a lot of people. And you just had to be aware that um, there was more that was happening beyond working, right? Like there were someone would get sick or, you know, ETC really. Um, And it makes you more uh, personable and, like more aware that you're, you're not just, um, you're not just working, you're just, you're dealing with a human and they have their, their needs and their wants. Um, And, and the work will be done. Like if they're clear that they will, you know, complete by a certain time, or there's a meeting that you want to go to get to on together. So just to answer your question, I think it's just made, everyone and myself be aware of of the individualism like not just the organization but the person as a person and even you as an individual on that and then i think the other thing that has changed is i used to be basically um uh an early person, early morning person to very late night type of working. So I'd leave the office like at midnight, in <laughs> my at least in, in other places, and that's all working and trying to 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 really get things moving. But with the slowdown that happened, um now aware of how to balance it out, like Um, Basically I'm the person who never used to go for lunch breaks (laughs) and I know when it gets to one you can have 30 minutes of food and it doesn't matter, you'll get back to your work and you'll dedicate two more hours and you'll be effective and good. So there's more better respect for time management. when it's working time, when it's not working time, um, how to have your meetings aligned? Um, I think the Zoom thing works because you don't you're not always in a car in traffic heading for meetings, um, and also at the same time, how to make sure that your team, you know, you collaborate with them in the right way and the outcome is is as needed, uh, both from from the senior side and and from the juniors that I work with, so. Um and then overall, just, just being better organized, like um, um, yeah, just being being better organized. And I can extend that a little. That's just in Kenya basis. I um I was also working with teams from other countries, and some of them were in lockdown. So um, and as an investor, I guess some of them will know that if repayments need to be done and someone is at home, and they can't go to the bank because the bank is closed. It, is, it gets it gets a bit choppy, right? So you um you, you become aware of some of these things and learn a lot about relationship management and and how to, to be human at the same time, ensure that the agenda is really met, met uh, without really causing any discomfort from either side. So yes, yeah, so I think that's one thing that that I've really emphasized and be able to to really get out during this period, um, yeah.
0: Amazing, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's certainly true that uh, remote work has kind of set up these boundaries that uh, have both uh, positives and negatives in terms of what it means for team collaboration and getting things done. Um, just as we start to, to wrap up, I'm curious um, what kind of the future looks like for you. Uh, you're still fairly early in your career. Uh, but lots of learnings already. Are there certain um, sectors or superpowers uh, that you want to dig into or draw upon uh, as you move forward as a leader?
1: Yeah, sure. So one thing is, as in if I can mentor, like for me, outside of my workplaces, I had so many mentors. I had so many people who opened doors so if I can do the same thing for someone else, for sure. That's one thing that definitely I'd want to do continue growing in my career um, in terms of seeing more of Africa and supporting more companies with with capital is also another thing that I want to do. But that's all dependent on the organization I really work for and, and what the investment mandate is. Um, and then one thing that I think I can say on this podcast is I've always had this entire dream of growing companies from Africa. Out, and what I mean is... Uh, we have organizations such as, um, I'll mention them on this call because they're, they're, they're global. So Microsoft, Google, everyone goes out of their country. But for us, we really don't grow our companies out of Africa. And if they're in Africa, they're just in major cities. Yet there are sim- similar challenges that I'm now being exposed to in the regions that a lot of these companies can be able to solve, uh, even infrastructure and in other, other um barriers are met um so being uh, a thought leader or a policy maker or a driver into some of those of those uh, capital deployments um, I guess conversations um I definitely want to grow that into that area in 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 my career um yes that's high level what I'm thinking about yeah
0: yeah that's really exciting its a, it's a good vision to be. Contributing towards. I know I've started to come across more and more, uh, particularly software uh, focused companies that have uh, started in Africa and now have global markets, which is really exciting. It should definitely uh, work that way as well. So, uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your leadership journey with us today and reflecting on some of the learnings you've had and some of the thoughts uh, related to adjusting to remote work and thinking about how to grow your career in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. So thanks, Dinah
1: Thank you, Chris, for having me. Um, and I look forward to listening to more of these conversations.